Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daft Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby Sausland, and today we are learning Masechet Shkalim, Daf Chaf Aleph, the Jerusalem Talmud, Tractate Shkalim, page 21. On this daf, we begin learning the eighth chapter of Shkalim, which continues the discussion from the previous chapter of things that are found in a variety of locations. The chapter opens with a discussion of rukin, hanimtsa'in birushalayim, spit, that is found in Jerusalem. Yes, that is true. That is what I said. Spit in Jerusalem in specific spots, and whether or not it is tahor, whether it can be assumed that the spit is pure or not. While I know that this is the kind of thing that might interest some of our listeners, I, for one, am relieved that this Daf Yomi project allows us to choose from the Daf, and there are other topics, in addition to spit, that we can focus on today. It's actually sort of fun to watch how the progression happens from topic to topic. It's a classic Mishnaic kovetz, or a collection of ideas, that seems to jump randomly, but actually each of the ideas is linked to one another, almost like a game of word association. The Mishnah jumps from the spit that might be found on the ground on different streets in Jerusalem to the utensils that might be found in Yerushalayim on the way down to the mikvah and on the way up from the mikvah. From utensils, the Mishnah moves to knives. What if you find a knife? And what if you find it on the 14th of Nisan, that is Erev Pesach? Uh, you can assume, according to the Mishnah, that a knife that is found on Erev Pesach has already been immersed. Because, of course, who would not have immersed his knife that he will use to slaughter the Pesach sacrifice by the 14th? But, says the Mishnah, if you find it on the 13th, you have to immerse it first, because we assume that it has not yet been immersed. It is still tmei'ah, impure, not yet tahor. The Mishnah here is understanding the, the human nature of how people plan. By the 14th, you can be sure it would have been purified. By the 13th, you cannot be as sure. And then moving on with the Kovets, with the word association, we were talking about things that are Tahor and Tameh, things that are pure and impure. So the Mishnah continues now with Halacha 2. What happens if the Parochet, the curtain in the temple, which is in front of the Holy of Holies, what if that becomes Tameh? While, of course, we know from the Avodah service of the Kohen Gadol, which will be the topic of the next tractate, that so much care was put into keeping the Kohen Gadol pure before he went into the Holy of Holies, it was still possible and even likely that some form of impurity might touch the outside of the parochet. If the parochet becomes tamay, then the parochet is taken to the mikvah, and the question is, the different kinds of tum'ah, the different kinds of impurity, would it be taken to the mikvah inside the 
uh, Beit HaMikdash or the one outside. And this is really where I think the daf begins to get interesting. If the parochet becomes tameh with an av tumah, that is a major category of an impurity, a mikvah is actually not enough. When something is um, tameh with an av tumah, with a major impurity, it must not only be immersed in a mikvah, but it also must uh, stay overnight. It must also um, not be used until 24 hours have passed. So the Mishnah tells us, in that case, matbilin ota bachutz. In that case, then, they would immerse the parochet in a mikvah just outside the courtyard. And then they would shotchin ota bachel. Then they would have to spread it out in the chel, an area outside the Temple Mount, overnight so that the parochet could purify over the 24-hour waiting period that it took to make it pure. So now you have an, a more serious kind of immersion, which requires a 24-hour stay, and the entire parochet was laid out to dry after being immersed in this special chel, this area outside the Temple Mount. But was what was even cooler, I think, is that if the parochet was brand new, im if the parochet was brand new, it needed to be immersed because all brand new items for use in the Beit HaMikdash would be immersed first. And then in this case, it would be spread out on the roof of the bench of the Temple Mount, on the portico of the Temple Mount. Why? So that the people would get to see the handiwork, which, as the Mishnah says, was na'ah, which was beautiful. This is a very beautiful idea to me that on the Temple Mount, twice a year, because the parochet, a new parochet was brought in twice a year, there would be this huge um, 60 foot by 30 foot curtain that was laid out and had been very carefully woven. And you could see it from all around Jerusalem because it was lying across a portico that was at the top of the Temple Mount. This is a very cool thing to imagine. Imagining the parochet spread out for people to see. The old one, which had become Tameh, would be wait to be purified, sort of out of sight. But the new one, which had been just immersed, would lie out so that everyone could see it. The Mishnah then goes on to describe the work of the parochet to tell exactly how big it was. It was about a tefach wide, about the width of our knuckles, which is actually a pretty thick curtain if you think about it and if you compare it to the curtains that you might have even on your own window. Um, that is a thick curtain. And then width um, and length, it was 40 amot by 20 amot. We understand that to be about a foot and a half per amah, so about 60 feet by 30 feet. This was a huge curtain. And the expense is also reported that it cost 820,000 gold dinars to make this parochet. And two ones were made per year. I can only imagine what an amazing sight it would have been. Of course, um, to show the entire city of Jerusalem this parochet would also let them enjoy the work that they had contributed to. Right here we are in Masechet Shkalim, the whole 
city, the whole nation, is contributing to the Beit HaMikdash. And here, twice a year, they get to sort of take a look at it. It's as though, you know, they walk by and they say, oh yeah, that's what we're paying for. This parochet, which was on view, this extraordinary parochet, which was woven, we get a report of how many threads were woven into each yarn or each piece. I, I'm not a weaving expert, but it sounds like it was quite a piece of work, a real masterpiece of design. Um, and so if we look at the whole daf as a, um, in, in its progression, it's interesting to see what has happened here. We started with spit on the streets of Jerusalem. And then we moved to utensils and to knives that we might find on the street. So when we started, we may have imagined ourselves in ancient Jerusalem sort of watching our step, encountering a lot of strange, even potentially disturbing items strewn upon the street. The crowded streets, people leaving things here and there and spitting all over the ground, not so appealing. And then, um, towards the end of this daf, the Mishnah reminds us, actually, we are missing out by not living in ancient Jerusalem because as dirty and crowded as the ground may have been, if we had been living there and looked up a couple of times a year, we would have been privileged to see that parochet, the very curtain that would protect the Holy of Holies, which was laying out in the sun for all of us to see. And of course, every day we would have looked up and seen the Temple Mount and the Beit HaMikdash, which we understand to have been an extraordinary sight. The Temple Mount was always in sight and always providing beauty for the city. And it was always a reminder of what was most important. So the daf has moved us literally from the ground, keeping our eyes on the ground, watching for different things that might cause us tum'ah, that might cause us impurity. We started looking down, and by the end of the daf, our eyes are up, our eyes are towards the Beit HaMikdash, and towards that beautiful parochet. At the end of Masechet Shkalim, as we wind down this tractate, the rabbis can't help but remind us of the beauty of the temple and all that it contained, as long as we kept our eyes up towards the heavens. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.